Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. Good morning, good morning. Uh, I have the wrong mouse in my hand, so as I am seeking to click on my screen, it's not working. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 is where we're going to open this morning. And you say to yourself, uh, this is unusual. Carmen, although encouraging us to be in the Word of God, does not often open with the reading of Scripture. Uh, Today she's going to. Ephesians 2, beginning with verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus." For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What is this all about? Every age has its own spirit, its own thoughts, its own ideas, its own values. Uh, Every age is uh, its own cultural driver and influence. And the spirit of the age is what Paul is talking about here. He's also talking about the spirit of Christ. And those who are in Christ no longer live by the spirit of the age. So, um... If you think of a growing consensus of morality uh, and you think of a maybe in our age, some being self-censored and going silent and others with a rising volume in the cultural conversations of the day, uh, then you are looking at a contest of the spirits of the age. The Apostle Paul called this. Uh, atmosphere, the course of the world. Um, And Paul is then describing the lives of believers at Ephesus before they encountered Christ as being, well, just like everybody else, dead in trespasses and sins, walking according to the course of this world, according to the spirit of the age. That's sort of the world's peer pressure. It is a system that is inspired by a spirit that is contrary to the spirit of God, It's a spirit opposed to God. It is a spirit promoting a system of values and ideas that 
tills into the soil of our culture and cultivates a lifestyle that is, well, autonomous, independent of God. Jesus does not intend that we live that way. He intends for us to live in the world, but uh, not of it, that we would influence the world uh, in the direction of and in the spirit of Christ. And he has given us his word. He has given us his very spirit. God helps us to walk by faith and not by sight, by the power of the spirit, in love, in truth, in Christ. And so today, as we walk in God's power, as we spend time in God's word, as we rely on God to give us the strength to live according to kingdom values and not the spirit of the age, let us commit to cultivate a culture of goodness and godliness, even in the midst of the spirit of the age in which we now find ourselves. Dr. Mark Caleb Smith from Cedarville University joins me next. We're going to talk a little bit more about the spirit of this age. We'll be right back. like to talk to Dr. Mark Caleb Smith from Cedarville University um, about, well, all things political and social. And so today I thought maybe we would widen the aperture and have a conversation about the spirit of the age. Mark, welcome back. Hey, Carmen. How are you doing today? I am well. I am well. It's well with my soul. So even uh, even in days that um, are challenging, um, you know, I belong. I belong to Christ. So I'm good. It's good to hear. I'm glad. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Amen. All right. Let's talk about um, let's talk about the spirit of the age. When I tee up that kind of conversation, what comes to mind for you? Uh, I, you know, I think of what if what if an extraterrestrial, you know, an ET, think of your favorite vision of ET is a trained sociologist or a trained anthropologist and who gets dropped into the United States of America right now. Um, what would they notice? What would they pay attention to? How would they determine this country or this culture really works and how it functions and what it means? Because um, I think, you know, I think culture, for many of us, we have a hard time seeing culture because we're in it every day, right? You know, it's the old statement about the fish in the water. The fish doesn't know it's in the water. It just kind of is. We don't always know we're in the culture. It just surrounds us and it's just part of who we are. Um, but I think right now our culture, more than anything else, is really just it's self-centered. Uh, it's really built around the preeminence of the self and the self's ability to define reality, uh, whether that's good or bad or truth or, or falsehood or what's beautiful or not beautiful. Um, all that is my authority as an individual to make these determinations. No one can tell me what to do. No one can make me submit to their authority. It's really up to me to make my choices for me, and that's what matters the most. And I think we're seeing that work out in a lot of our key, you know, most explosive critical issues right now, uh, whether we're talking about transgenderism, whether we're talking about gay rights, uh, whatever we seem to be discussing, it really revolves around the self-centeredness, I think, which dominates so much of our thinking. It's true in the church as well. I mean, we think of the church even often as I go to church to satisfy my needs, I need to go to a place that fits what I want to do, that that meets my style. 
uh, the, so I can hear a pastor who makes me feel fulfilled. And so it's really about what I want out of the equation. And so this is something I think we all need to pay attention to, uh, both outside the body of Christ and even within it to some extent. There's um, there's this commercialization of everything, and then there is this um, elevation of the self, for right. sure. Like, I think yeah. that is a huge part of this. Um, and and even though there are there there seem to be appeals to community, there seem to be appeals to um, living to like living together in supportive relationships with one another. There are not there do not seem to be the willing the willingness um, to make the sacrifices that are necessary for that to actually happen. Um, and so it seems like there's then this deference toward um, government solutions to problems that really should be addressed in families, in 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 communities by churches and and others who care about, you know, sort of those living closest to them, the proximity conversations. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And I think it's mostly because the government is really the only agency that has that brings coercion into the equation. And so if we can't get these individuals working together, if we can't get them functioning in any kind of meaningful way collectively, uh, then we have to bring someone with a stick into the environment, someone who can make people do things by force. And really, government is the only thing that does that in our uh, in our world right now. As you said, at one point, maybe we would have all thought about the culture surrounding us, whether it's inside the church or outside the church. Is that kind of providing guardrails around us? There are certain things I just won't do. You know, there are norms and expectations that define my behavior to some extent. I'm just not going to buck those uh, because my community has certain demands that it puts upon me. We don't really think in those terms very often anymore. And so if you want to get people functioning collectively, then it's almost always going to take government intervention, at least in this kind of an environment. So yeah, I think you're right. There's a deference to uh, to the government to solve some of these problems. Um, and I think you're also right that we generally just don't want to submit. I think one of the most difficult Christian virtues uh, that we really have a hard time practicing is this notion of submission and putting ourselves deliberately under the authority of other people. Uh, when God has put them in our lives, whether it's a boss, uh, whether it's even even government sometimes, we don't want to submit to that, even when it's acting within the boundaries that it has. Um, submission's a matter of conscience. It's a matter of the will. Uh, you know, Government can be coercive over me, but submitting to it takes me deciding I'm going to submit to its authority uh, by my choice. And that's hard to do. That isn't, that's, a, that's a tough one for the American political DNA. It doesn't really fit with who we are. So let's take a very brief break, and when we come back, I um, I would like for you to reflect upon the phrase "we the people," and and the entire idea of a government um, by the people and for the people. Am I missing one there? By the people, for the people, of the people, yeah, of the people. Okay, yep. um, so because all of those words are plural. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd love for you to reflect on that when we come back in terms of this like sort of broad conversation about the spirit of the age. I'm talking with Dr. Mark Caleb Smith from Cedarville University, and we're kind of just having a wide open chat this morning. Um, I hope you are interested and engaged. If you'd like to text us, you can do so at 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
All right, I'm continuing my conversation this morning with Dr. Mark Caleb Smith from Cedarville University. So um, we the people, a government of the people, by the people, for the people, I'll just um, make the observation that all of those terms are plural. And it seems to me that um, this form of government is dependent on all of us being active participants, playing an active role, not just having the expectation that we are going to all benefit from something that we're not also all contributing to. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Um, It's very clear when you look at our founding documents, you know, that phrase, we the people, we see it on the preamble to our Constitution. Um, It's clear in our founding documents that ultimate sovereignty in our political system flows from the people. Uh, It doesn't come from inheritance. It doesn't come from an aristocracy of some kind where there's a class of people who are just automatically in charge uh, or a monarchy or anything like that. It's it's we, the people, who ultimately have the power in our system to make things happen. Um, And so we govern. we, We govern by delegating that power to other people to make choices on our behalf. And so there is this collective sense that we're all part of this process we all have responsibilities and we all have obligations uh, within this system, whether it's to vote, whether it's to be informed, whether it's to, have do, to do things like jury duty uh, and just responsibilities that we have. At the same time, I think it's people need to, to grasp uh, our founding documents also make it clear there are limits to what we can do as the people. Um, there are certain things we cannot do. There are certain Uh, parameters that are put in place through the Bill of Rights and through the structure of the Constitution that limit the people. Why do we want the people limited? Well, our founders wanted them limited to protect individual rights. And that's the tension that we see in our system. You know, the people govern, but we also have individuals that are part of that system that deserve to be respected, even though they may have a different point of view. Um, And so there's always this tension between me as an individual asserting what's good for me the collective asserting what's good for it. And there's always this tug and push and pull between those two groups. Um, and that's really where the law comes to bear and the Constitution comes to bear as we ask really hard questions sometimes of our government. Yeah, and I think that even so, Mark, I'll just make this observation. Anytime that I think of the government as somehow um, separate from me, I sort of fall into the temptation right. yep. to make it someone else's job. I feel, yeah, I, I feel the same way about I feel the same way about like mission mission service, right? Like it's the mission of the church to reach the lost. It's not the job of people we pay to go be missionaries. It, it's everybody's job, and I feel like self governance is the same. It's the it, I mean, there's a similarity there. There's a body theology to all of this that if each part is not working properly and doing its respective part, the whole body is diminished. I think I, I agree with you. And I think the tension that you're you're uncovering uh, is that we all want our rights out of the system, whether it's religious liberty, whether it's free speech, whether it's the decisions that I want to make about my body or my sexuality, as we are talking a lot about in today's culture, we all want our rights. What we don't want often is the responsibility that comes with asserting those rights. Uh, I have certain obligations to be informed. I have obligations to persuade other people of my point of view. Uh, I have an obligation to vote and to be active and to really be a good citizen. 
So citizenship is about more than just me getting what I want out of the system. It's about me affecting the system, hopefully in a positive way. Um, one of the ways I think you see this the most is we nationalize all these all these issues that we talk about, mm-hmm, we talk mm-hmm. about them from Washington, D.C. perspective, when most of the choices that are made that affect us directly are taking place at a local level. Very few of us are involved in local politics, whether it's the school board, whether it's the city council, uh, whatever it may be. There's so many ways to get involved at that level and to help push this thing in the direction that we want it to go. And we just kind of turn our back to it because we don't see it on Fox News or CNN uh, on a daily basis. So I may know who my um, senators are, right? right? I may I may know who my representative is um, in Congress. Uh, I very likely do not know the names of every member uh, who serves my state uh, at a national right. level. And I very likely do not know... Um, even on a statewide level, who serves me. I bet most of us don't know the names of uh, commissioners in our counties um, or even or in our cities or if our town is governed that way. Does my city have a manager? Does it have a mayor? Does it have a board of commissioners? Does it have like who are those people? Um, Well, they are fellow citizens just like me. And the decisions that they make affect all kinds of things. Um, that that affect me each and every day. And the school board is absolutely, I mean, you know, like that's just yeah. critical. We talk a lot about what's going on in public schools, but I guess I wonder, you know, how many of us have been to a school board meeting where we where we weren't going to, you know, burn a flag or whatever. I mean, or, you know, right. or, or, or burn something else, right? When was the last time you went to a school board meeting just to sit there and pray for the people who are serving in those volunteer roles, um, who are elected to serve our kids and, um, there's challenging there, there's very very challenging things happening at all levels of governance and if we the people are not actively engaged um, then you know sort of we get we get what we neglect well that's the difference between politics as performance or getting getting upset about something or we want to show that we're interested or engaged or angry in the worst case scenario or versus politics as something to do and something to contribute to the whole process. Going to a school board meeting, running for office, being actively involved, that takes time, that takes effort. It's not good enough to just say, I have an opinion and I'm angry about it. You need to do something about it, which again, there are so many opportunities. Even if you wanna work within a political party system, there are so many opportunities at the county level uh, or the precinct level to be involved with the political party of your choice. Uh, they're just endless opportunities. And so, you know, turn away from just consuming information and being upset. Turn toward putting your energy into something productive uh, and actually affecting local government. I mean, it'd be way more beneficial for most people. All right. You can just Google um, government elected uh, elected officials and then <laughs> type in the name of your town or the name of your county, the name of your yep. city, the name of your state, right? You can get a total list. You can see who these people are and what they do. My guess is... You got no, you have no idea how many elected officials there are in your own community, um, and you know, and that those positions are available to you as well. So there you go. Um, let's um, let's foment this kind of positive engagement by every member of the body of Christ uh, here in this great land in which we live. We we actually do get what we what we either neglect or invest in one way or the other. Um, so it's a lot like gardening. Uh, and let's yep. be people who sow peace and let's be people who 
cultivate a culture that we want to live in and that we want to um, that we want to you know pass along to the next generation as well. Uh, Mark, as always, thank you so much. Um, I really I really appreciate this kind of conversation. It's really helpful. Thanks, Carmen. Take care, and thanks to all your listeners. Yeah, likewise. All right, that's Mark Caleb Smith from Cedarville University. Normally, we talk about sort of you know headlines and what's going on. in the political scene, but I thought it was time to take a step back and widen the aperture and have a conversation about the political and social spirit of the age and the spirit of Christ which dwells within us and our engagement as the people of Christ in this world that he so loves. All right, we're going to take a very brief break for Knowing God, and then we'll be right back. All right, I love the... uh I love your engagement on the text line today. Yes, indeed, if we were actually taking care of our own, and by that we mean all those um, with whom God has set us in relationship and as stewards and responsible managers, uh, this listener says there would be no needs among us. Uh, We would begin looking after not only our own but the poor and would we then really need a welfare system run by the government? Yeah, see, these are good questions. These are the kinds of questions I think we should be asking. So thank you for your engagement this morning. All right, Josh Holland is going to join me next. Billy Graham Evangelistic Association Rapid Response Team. The BGEA Rapid Response Team is on the ground in Brooklyn Center, and we're going to talk about, talk with them about what they're experiencing, uh, what they're experiencing right there and how we can engage. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. When I was a kid, the biggest altercations occurred on the playground. Bullies, king of the hill. Reputations were destroyed between swing sets and jungle gyms. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. It's different today. The threat to your kid's ego is invasive and pervasive. I'm talking, of course, about the Internet. Cyberbullying runs rampant. And without supervision in the form of hateful Facebook posts, text or anonymous comments in chat rooms if you see evidence of it against your child or worse from your child take immediate action rescue victims from the damaging effects of bullying whether in person or online want more parenting help from mark gregston find helpful resources at parentingtodaysteens.org or search for parenting today's teens in your favorite app store Josh Holland from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association Rapid Response Team. Josh, welcome to Morning to Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. It's an honor to be with you today. Well, it's great to have you with us. Um, remind remind our listeners about the Rapid Response Team, and then tell us about your uh, your current deployment in Brooklyn Center. So the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team um, started basically in response to uh, 9-11, September 11, 2001, is when God placed this vision on Franklin Graham's heart to just raise up an army of, of chaplains uh, that, that know how to talk to people going through crisis, come alongside the local church, and uh, just, just, uh, just help out when, uh, when things in life unravel and, and we don't know what to say or do. So we have a, a ministry of a couple thousand volunteer chaplains all over the country in different parts of the world. We deploy to natural disasters and, uh, and man-made uh, disasters, things like civil unrest and 
Um, and of course, our heart is with uh, with your city, with Minneapolis, Greater Minneapolis, and everything going on there over really this last year. So let's talk about um, you know when when a team deploys, and so let's just bring this one into focus here, uh, addressing the unrest in Brooklyn Center. So do they come by invitation? Does the does the bus just show up? Where do they park? Like, walk us a little bit into the experience of the deployment of a team to a particular community. Yeah, you know, when it's something like a a tornado or flood or fire or hurricane, a a natural disaster like that, we work alongside our sister organization, Samaritan's Purse, and Mm -hmm. those doors open. You know, they're they're out doing the physical manual labor, cutting up trees, mudding out houses. And our chaplains go alongside to talk to those individuals whose homes have been destroyed or, or damaged. So that that's pretty straightforward. On something like like this, uh, you know, we're blessed. The Billy Graham Evangelistic Association is to have relationships with churches all over the uh, the country. And so, yes, oftentimes a church who's aware of what we do will reach out and say we really could use support. Um, Sometimes it's just a a leading where we feel like we need to move in that direction. We have chaplains in different parts of the country, and and then we are amazed oftentimes how God just opens the doors as we start moving in that direction. We never want to what we call self-deploy and just show up like we're the experts. But again, our ministry is to come alongside the local church and just support however we can. So I'm um, I'm visiting the Facebook page for the for the Rapid Response team, and I want folks. That's a, I think that's a great place to connect um, with the Billy Graham Rapid Response team. And so I just want to encourage you guys to check that out. Um, RRT Chaplains is what you're looking for um, on Facebook. And one of the things that I'm seeing here is an invitation for training. Talk with us about. Um, how folks get engaged and then talk about, you know, the training involved and maybe invite people who are interested into it. Absolutely. So um, to, to become a volunteer chaplain with our, our ministry, one of the required trainings is a course we offer called Sharing Hope in Crisis. And uh, that's actually uh, before uh, the tragic incident last week uh, with uh, Dante Wright being killed. Uh, we had already actually planned to do this uh, Sharing Hope in Crisis at a church in uh, Brooklyn Park, uh, which um, we— for See, any that way, just feels like a God thing. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Like, right? so, this is, so let me just say to people, this is yeah. happening this Saturday, April the 24th, um, right. at the Living Word Christian Center in Brooklyn Park. But everyone can, um, can participate online. Absolutely. Am I right about that? That it's also a streaming event. Um, I'm not sure about that. I know that um, on on our website you can you can receive this same training online. I don't think it. Oh that yeah, I get it. Okay. Live, All right. So we've got a one day. Stream. Let's but, let's but, tee this one up because this one day yeah. event is this is April the twenty fourth. Yeah. Uh, it's at the Living Word Christian Center in Brooklyn Park. Registration is free, um, but you do yeah. need to register. It's an eight hour course, and it's called Sharing Hope in Crisis. Um, this is that's Absolutely. just I mean that just seems like a god thing right that it's yeah. that it's yeah, this Saturday no, and it's in Brooklyn Park. No, no question about it. Yeah, the Holy Spirit totally orchestrated this and again for each of your listeners we would love to have you with us. This course used to be uh there used to be a fee associated with it but under Franklin Graham's direction and the days we're living in yeah, he ultimately has made the 
decision our ministry has that we want to offer this free of charge. And so I just want to encourage everybody to come. If you've ever wondered what to say to someone that's going through a tough time, you know, you, you, you want to help, but you just don't know what to say. You want to know what not to say. Uh, just some real practical pointers on how to understand grief, crisis, trauma, why God allows suffering, these kind of principles. It's a fantastic curriculum. And, um, and we would love for you to be with us uh, this Saturday to, to learn more. And whether or not you ever become a chaplain with us or not, that's not the point. It's just great curriculum for anyone who wants to be used by God to talk to people that are hurting. Yeah, I, it's so um, it's so timely. It's so important. Uh, no matter no matter where you are serving on the Lord's behalf, um, you are you know you're a chaplain at some level. Like we all engage people who are hurting, and we all live in places where the 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 conversations that are being raised right now in Brooklyn Center are being raised in our communities, whether or not we're engaging with those conversations is really the question. And so we want to engage in ways that are appropriate and um, and Christ-like and people-concerned, and that's the kind of training that you're going to get if you participate um, in this Billy Graham Evangelistic Association rapid response team, you know, the, the training that they offer. Sharing Hope in Crisis is a live seminar this Saturday, April the 24th, at the Living Word Christian Center in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, because, you know, God is like that. It's free of charge. We're really encouraging you guys to check it out. I think this is training that's beneficial to every Christian, but certainly for those of you who are counselors or first responders, church leaders, um, people are concerned about what's happening in our communities. This would be a really good thing for you to take advantage of. Um, as we uh, as we close, um, Josh, any any particular encouragement in terms of like how we how we should be praying for our cities today, and then maybe um, just a couple of thoughts on on how to step it out, how to walk out the door, not in fear, but in faith into into the communities that are so hurting and broken. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just to remind all of, you know, to remind ourselves, uh, myself included, that God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity but of power, love, and a sound mind. Uh, with everything going on in the world today, it's hard to, to even keep our personal sanity. We've surely all over the past year uh, been kind of just not even knowing what to say or do with, with the restrictions. And, and then, of course, the, um, the, the racial uh, issues that, um, that we as a, a nation are contending with, with uh, – just depression and and everything uh, at an all time high, and much of that's attributed to the restrictions uh, surrounding the pandemic. Um, many have lost loved ones this year to the pandemic, or, or been gravely ill themselves. So it's it's never been a, uh, in some ways, more difficult. Yet the darker things get in the world. This is cliche, but it's true. The brighter our light can shine. And uh, in these times of uncertainty, uh, what I've noticed is that people that have never been interested in having spiritual conversations are interested. And as uh, God's Word encourages us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for the reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. So, um, Carmen, I just want to thank you for all you do and for the opportunity for for me to be with you for a few minutes. Uh, our chaplains who've been on the ground in Brooklyn Center at the memorial site have been blessed just with the opportunity to pray with hundreds of people that some are angry, some are hurting, some 
but but uh, and and pray with a few to receive Christ. So God uh, even uses tragedies um, you know, for His ultimate glory. And I just want to encourage all of us today. Uh, we don't know what today holds, but if we seek the Lord, there certainly are divine appointments uh, in store for each of us. Absolutely. Josh Holland um, from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association Rapid Response Team. Thank you um, so very much for joining us today. And really, uh, I'm going to push out via my socials the um, opportunity for folks to get training this coming Saturday. Just thanks for what you're doing on the ground and thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much. Absolutely. We'll be right back. All right, joining me now, Pastor Dan Halkus. He's the head pastor at Living Christ Mission Church in Brooklyn Center. Pastor Halkus, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Well, good morning, Carmen, and God's blessings to you and all that you do in ministry to make a difference. Well, thank you. I um, I certainly receive that and um, and would echo uh, those those blessings to you as well. Let's talk about um, the the physical proximity of your church, where God has planted uh, Living Christ Mission Church, um, and you know, and sort of how seriously you have taken your proximity to what's going on in Brooklyn Center. Why, sure. I'll just give a, a quick brief history. Um, uh, Lutheran Church of the Master um, was founded in uh, 1961, so it's been in the Brooklyn Center area um, since that time. And it has been always striving to make a difference. Uh, of course, back in the in '61, it uh, was farm fields that uh, became a growing city as uh, as people were moving farther north. And um, now, in the most recent years, um, there are a lot of apartments and townhomes and um, people that are only in Brooklyn Center for a short period of time as they transition to someplace else. And over the last few years, as we've been praying about how to make a difference in our community, um, LCM starts to take on a different acronym, um, Living Christ Mission. And so that's how we got to where we are. Uh, We are close, I would say, about uh, two blocks from um, the precinct um, off of Humboldt. We're off of 69th, and our cross streets are DuPont and Humboldt, so we are very close um, to to where the uh, a lot of the protesting and a lot of the pain uh, was being manifested. All right, and so talk with us about um, what you did, uh, what your you and your other church leaders and your congregation like what you did in response. Did you you know did you put a big ten uh, foot fence around your property and um, and you know bar the doors? Uh, thanks be to God, no, that was never a thought, <laughs> because the church is open to everyone. Um, the, the scripture that first popped into our head uh, that Sunday afternoon was 1 Peter 3.15. Um, we'll add that in uh, 1 Peter 5.7, but 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give testimony for the hope we have, and in the midst of that pain and suffering and all that was going on, we needed to be able to share the hope that we had. 
And so that Sunday night, I and uh, Pastor Phil, um, one of our pastors who now is going to be leaving us and going into the mission field for 16 months, um, we, we met up at the church and went into the parking lot. And that particular night, there were just a few medics that were there that were uh, on the ground to, to minister and to, to bring healing. And so we prayed with them and talked with them, um, opened the building to them to use the restroom. And uh, then on Monday, um, at the end of the day, when I was finishing up, I looked outside our back door and our parking lot was full. And um, I had talked with Pastor Jim, who it was his first day um, as an associate <laughs> pastor. <laughs> I said, well, I said, um, I'm not going to force you to, to stay, but, you know, if you want to um, hang around, that would be great. And he said, Pastor, that's what I've been called to do. So he stayed and he and I then walked through the parking lot, greeting people, um, blessing people, meeting a couple other sets of medics that were there and many press um, from all over. Um, met people from New York and Miami and even somebody from Great Britain, uh, a lot of which were in town already co uh, covering the George Floyd um, and Derek Chauvin uh, challenges. And uh, so we met with different ones, let them into the building that night because it was cold and rainy and let them use the restroom. Um, and that night on our Facebook feed, I made the mention that, you know, it's cold and wet and LCM is here for people. And so I said, I want to serve coffee and hot chocolate and maybe some treats. Well, the next morning, Tuesday morning early, um, our kitchen coordinator had seen it, called me and said, Pastor, it's all, it'll all be ready by five o'clock. <laughs> mm. And, and from that point on the doors were open and I would say Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people came in and, you know, never once, um, on the inside of the church, when people came in, it's like a whole, the Holy spirit covered them they felt peace, they felt love, and there's so many, many stories that uh, of lives that we were able to impact um, through this. And um, we know we prayed for the Wright family and, and the Potter family and the Brooklyn Center community and, and, and for peace and unity and for the police and the National Guard. A mistake was made, and he who hasn't made a mistake, and to paraphrase the words of Jesus, he without sin throw the first mm -hmm. stone. We, we let some people in and and we were able to pray with them and, and, and say the words, God bless you, or the protection of Jesus go with you. And we said that to everybody that came in um, and came out of our building. Without judgment, we shared the love of Christ. And uh, Jesus, before he left and went into heaven, he left us with the Great Commission, and he summed up the Ten Commandments of love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another. Very simple. Love. We're called to show that love, and that's what we had the opportunity to do. So uh, I know if you're listening right now, uh, you want to be reminded um, that I'm talking with Pastor Dan. We are talking about the witness of um, this LCMC congregation, Living Christ Mission Church in Brooklyn Center. 
Um, and I guess uh, I just want to make an observation, Dan. First of all, I want to thank you on behalf of your brothers and sisters in Christ for this witness and this testimony, this act of um, of just love, this act of love. So when people ask you um, in the future, because this is like a question that many of us get, no matter what our denominational or associational affiliation, we get the question like, what kind of Presbyterian are you? Or in your case, what kind of Lutheran are you? I hope you tell this story because this is the kind of Lutheran you are. This is the kind of Christian you are. Um, and I, I, it is such a witness and a testimony to um, the invitation to taste and see that yes. the Lord is good. That's, that's what you have done. And you yes. are blessing you are blessing the city where God has um, planted you as an outpost of the kingdom and the kingdom principles. And so on behalf of every Christian across the country and around the world, thank you, my brother. Thank you, oh, my brother, for this you. faithful witness and testimony. <laughs> and I, um, in the future, just by the way, I want to have a conversation with the kitchen coordinator because <laughs> that is a person who They're knows amazing. how to make it happen. The right? Mary and Martha, right? <laughs> All right. That's exactly right. Hey, hey, Dan, thank you so much. Um, we feel confident that in the coming hours and days and weeks, um, God's going to continue to give you opportunity to bear witness to his character and the principles of the kingdom. And, um, and thank you for your demonstration of love on behalf of Christ and his people. Yeah, well, thank you so much. And if I may just uh, share one quick story as we close. Sure. Um, one one of the gentlemen um, that was outside, um, there's so many, but I'll just pick this one. He was standing outside in the cold and the rain, and I, I said to him, hey, come on in and warm up and have some hot chocolate. And and uh, he goes, I've never been in a church before. And I said, oh, well, no time like the present. So I, I brought him in and sat him down, got him some hot chocolate and and different people you know, came up to him and asked him how he was doing and, and what he had how, how what he was doing there and how he was interacting and what his experiences were. And they, they brought him some more treats and he, and he didn't have a coat on and um, Aqua, one of our uh, volunteers took her coat off and put mm -hmm. it on him. And then I sat down with him a little bit later after he was warmed up and I said, how are you doing? And he goes, is this how it is in a church? Mm -hmm. This much, this much love. And I said, well, yeah, that's we've been given the love of Christ and we're asked to just share that with others. And he goes, this is the most love I've ever felt. And it was just, again, the testimony of just following the prompting of God when he asks you to step in, which is what he's called all of us to do, to live his mission and to be difference makers for him. Dan, um, thank you so much. Uh, oh, thank you, you for bet. opening God the doors. <laughs> thank you for opening your heart. Thank you for opening the gospel. Thank you for opening the kingdom to others. Uh, you guys ought to visit them at least online, lcmonline.net, or go see them in person. Amen. Living Christ Mission Church, <laughs> 8.30 and 10.30 on Sunday, Sunday morning. morning. Pastor Amen. Dan, um, thank you so much. God bless you, Carmen, and all of you that serve the Lord so faithfully through radio ministry. Thank you. All right, friends, that's, um, that takes us to the end here of the first hour of Mornings with Carmen. We have another hour up next. Um, one of my guests in the next hour is Oz Guinness, so I know you don't want to miss that conversation. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. 
If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.